Welcome to Elevated and Melanated, where critical thinkers can come and discuss inconvenient truths and uncomfortable knowledge. I am your host, KT the Intellect. Stay young, handsome man, DJ the Finesse Kid. Yes, sir. And we back again with another uh, episode here at the Elevated and Melanated Podcast. We do want to thank y'all for joining us once again. You know, we got a lot of stuff to touch on. It's been a very uh, uh, interesting and eventful few weeks. You know what I'm saying? How you feeling, uh, DJ? I'm doing really great, man. Doing really great. Re- feeling really grand. Really grand, like the canyon. Okay, there you go. Hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to the hat, you know what I'm saying? Ninth wonder of the world, you yeah, know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, Come check it out, you feel shout me? Shout out to AZ. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but I, yeah. Wait, 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 wait. How are you feeling? How I'm feeling? I'm feeling good, you know what I'm saying? Uh, even though there may be existential crisis going on in the world, I feel good in my personal life. Well, Dave Chappelle saying? said good is, means the absence of color right. in the undercover brother, so oh, yeah. you feeling great. <laughs> Feeling great, yes. Feeling elevated and melanated. Elevated and melanated, yes, sir. Okay, okay. All right, so it's been some very uh, uh, interesting and uh, controversial and polarizing uh, court court, uh, rulings going on the last week. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, what kind? Oh, well, they overturned this uh, Roe v. Wade uh, uh, Supreme Court ruling. From 1973. When you say, oh, you say that, you said that the Supreme Court. Yeah, the Supreme Court overturned a previous ruling from the Supreme Court in 1973, so 49 years ago. So this is uh, significant because this was the ruling that basically uh, made abortion uh, legal nationwide, you know what I'm saying? Or or greatly in it, put a lot of uh, restrictions on what states can do, what what, uh, laws they can enact when it comes to abortion. So prior to this case, it was totally different. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, especially where you're at, we'll get into it. But yeah, like in like in Texas, where the person we're gonna talk about today was from, like he gonna get it if like it was uh the pregnancy was like life threatening for the mother, like you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. or any other circumstances, it wasn't allowed uh, legally. And you know, there's a black market and a in an underground for everything like this. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yes, sir. But uh, but Roe v. Wade. Well, I didn't know that, but you know. Yeah, <laughs> now the you, more know, you know. The more you know, right? But yeah, Roe v. Wade, right? It's a very interesting case. Now we're gonna get into it. Now, uh, most people don't know that uh, uh, Roe, uh, uh, Jane Roe, was actually a pseudonym, right? It's not the real. It's like Jane Doe. It's not the actual name of the uh, the plaintiff or the woman that the uh, these uh, these lawyers were using to bring forth this case. That's not the actual name of the person. The actual name of the person was Norma McCorvey, right? Okay. Now we're gonna get into the the history of Norma McCorvey because I feel like a. a a lot, a lot of things have changed after this verdict, you know what I'm saying? Since this verdict has happened, it's been over uh, estimated 50 million legal abortions done in America since 1973. So it's about a million a year, basically, you know what I'm saying? Uh, very, very interesting. So there's a, <laughs> uh, a lot of arguments going on, a lot of people, it's very polarizing. You know, women feel like they have the right to their bodies, you know what I'm saying? Other, not uh, uh, pro-choice women feel like they have a right to their bodies. Pro-life people feel like a, a, a life is a life, that he has a, a right to live, you know. It's very polarizing. How do you, what, what well, say, how, how do you feel? How, how, how do I feel about it? Uh, I think it's a spiritual issue. I think, and we'll get into this today, that this this ruling only affects 14th Amendment U.S. citizens. Uh, if you're not a 14th Amendment U.S. citizen, this ruling does not affect you. If you're an American national or an American citizen outside of their corporation, their corporate status, you can create what is known as a, an unincorporated religious society, otherwise known as a church, and then whatever you want, whatever uh, you want to write into how you want to live your life and things like that, what you want to do with your body, you will put that into your your own church or your own family church or however you want to set it up. But uh, mm-hmm. 
I think it's, like I said, I think it's a spiritual issue. I don't think it's something the state should be involved in personally. No, I think, no, I think uh, abortion being used as birth control and it being so rampant, I, I do think that is a bad thing. I think that's a symptom of a larger issue, you know what I'm saying? Because uh, we, uh, I'll insert some statistics when I, when I edit this. Uh, about right now, about one in uh, all, about half of all black uh, pregnancies end in abortion. You know, wow. you know what I'm saying. So, if you here right now, you you and you a black male, you lucky. You know what I mean. <laughs> Your mama cared about you, or she ain't had them. No, nah, let me stop. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so like so, uh, people using uh abortion as birth control because uh sexual uh. Recklessness has become the norm, you know what I'm saying? Being kids undisciplined like, with kids. your sex life. Go ahead. Well, as I was saying, little kids learning about sex at, you know, young ages. Yeah. Or Real young and age. what what sexually is, obviously. Exactly, you know what I'm saying? And like like you said, they're introducing uh sex education into these schools at a younger and younger age, getting kids trying to make them trying to they're trying to uh get kids more open to question uh gender roles and, and gender identity and things of this nature, you know what I'm saying? So uh, sex is being introduced at a much younger younger age, and I think because of this, that's why we've seen the rise in, in abortions the way we've seen them, because uh, 50 million is not something to, uh, you know what I'm saying, to, like, laugh at. It's not something to just overlook. I'm sure the because, uh, and like you say, you asked how I felt, like, also, too, like, you know, in cases of incest, you know, molestation, rape, things like that, you know what I'm saying, uh, Ultimately, the woman, has, it is her body she has control. Like, you know what I'm saying? She has to answer to her God at the end of, at the, end of the day. That's between her and her maker. You know what I'm saying? That has, that's not between for, for me to say, you feel right. me? Unless that's my seed and then that's, that's something else. You know what I mean? Right. But it, but if it, but in terms of, like, rape and child molestation and things of that nature, you know, abortion uh, can be justified or can be seen or can be rationalized. You know what I'm saying? But just to be doing it because you want to have hot girl summer and things of this nature— mm-hmm. That's when I feel like we now we gotta look at the morality of the culture, the morality of the society, you know what I mean? But how you feel about it, DJ? Yeah, personally, I mean, it's this is a tough one. Not really a tough one from a from my standpoint because I I don't have to you know deal with that, um, and I've never had to you know go down that route with with a female that I was talking to a woman. Um, but I will say that. You know, like you said, they have to answer to who, to their God or to their universe and um, whatever, whatever comes with that. So um, I think personally, I'm, I'm so focused on everything that I'm doing to, you know, to even put my energy into these type of cases or, you know, when everybody's going rampant, you know, not focusing on, you know, the real stuff going on. It's that's when. uh Oh, damn, I lost my train of thought. My bad. Oh, no, you, <laughs> go ahead and edit that out. Y'all won't see that part. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, so we're going to get into this article about Normal McCorvey. You know what I'm saying? The woman who became Roe then regretted it. So before I want to get into this, I, want, I do want to give a little synopsis about Roe v. Wade. So uh, there were uh, details uh, about uh, what happened that night about how Normal McCorvey got pregnant that she lied about initially. Now she uh, she initially she initially lied and said she got gang raped by a group of black men, right? And so wow. <laughs> this is initially why Gloria Steinem and then picked it up. And she's gonna say in this article that she lied about that initially because in Texas the only way you can get an abortion was if it was a uh, life threatening to the mother. And so that's why she came up with this rape story, right? But she, and this uh, this was thought to be fact all throughout the trial. 
But then she came out later and she uh, admitted that she lied about it and things of that nature. So we're going to get into that. But that's something uh, very interesting that's very overlooked in, in, in this crazy. whole story. Go how many ahead. times throughout, obviously we'll get into it, but like how many times throughout history things like this have, have happened to, you know, melanated men? Oh, yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? In all countries. Yeah, it's uh, very easy to be scapegoated, you know what I'm saying, once you've been colonized. But uh, let's get into it, you know what I mean? So she goes, uh, so this article goes, Norma McCorvey had little more to her name than a pseudonym, but it was the most famous pseudonym in American legal history, Jane Roe. And long after the Supreme Court in 1973 granted it and all uh, American women the right to an abortion free of interference by the state, McCorvey lived off her pseudonym self, first as a pro-choice advocate and then after an evangelical minister named Flip baptized her in a Texas swimming pool as a professional pro-lifer. Right, so I want to I want to uh, quit there. So what they're saying, like, so she flip flopping it, and this woman is a very because she lied about certain things. She was flip flopping the sides about certain things. So like, this woman is a is not only is this case very polarizing. This woman is probably not the best. Uh, I shouldn't say t subject to be doing this uh, for all this to be based off of. It's just that a lot of this is uh, in murky waters. You know what I'm saying? What is actually really happened that night, or what is really true, or how she really felt about the situation. Uh, is up in the air now. How she felt about it may not uh, uh, mean anything to the, how the uh, how the Supreme Court interpreted the ruling. I don't because like I'll get into another article. I don't think the rape or her being raped was a factor in, in their ruling. I think it was just a uh, just another way to uh, you know get to stir up media to you know what I'm saying to get people on their side to gain goodwill and because it just makes sense. Like if it. If anybody, if a woman was, was of course, assaulted by a gang, a group of men, you would empathize with that woman, you know what I'm saying, and you'd be more open to to this argument, you know what I'm saying? Or an emo emotional person would, obviously. Yeah. I think a person, you know, they would look at all the facts and, like, really, you know, obviously I wasn't alive during the time and I wasn't, you know, in the case, um, but I think, you know, doing enough research and starting to see, ask the right questions, you right. know, I think doing the right time, the first time around, right. obviously. Well, I mean, at the time, you wouldn't know, because, like, she didn't come out until years later and said that she lied. And so it was really her word. So, like, there's no way you would have known back then when in real time which one was which. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I'm not saying if it was true, of course, like, you would feel empathetic no matter. It, I mean, if it was true. You right. know what I'm saying? For sure. And so that's just an a easier way to get the Supreme Court to hear the case, to pick the case up. Because the Supreme Court get, gets a, uh, cases appealed to them, like, thousands a year but they only pick a certain amount to uh to hear and to deal with that ones that they think will be impactful or ones that think they have the biggest uh constitutional questions you know what i'm saying okay so mccorvey who died in february at age of, uh, 69 wrote of her divided life in two autobiographies but if they ended like so much scripture and redemption they were largely fiction filled with sufferings he simply had not endured she alleged, for example, that her mother kidnapped her daughter when she, in fact, had taken custody at McCorvey's urging. It was, it was through the great trauma McCorvey did and arguably suffered was not enough, namely that owing to the law, she had been forced to give birth to a child she did not want. So this is another thing, right? So she, she won two, uh, two books in her lifetime, and, and like she said, it was divided. One basically was like she's pro-choice, and the other one was basically like she's pro-life. And she embellished a lot of the, uh, the the details about her life. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like like she said, like like her uh, her uh, daughter being kidnapped. She gave her daughter for adoption. And this woman, uh, when uh, when she, when her pregnancy case became to the Supreme Court, 
that was her third pregnancy. She had already been pregnant twice and already gave up two kids for adoption already. So this was her third unwanted pregnancy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So this is where we got to talk about self-responsibility. You know what I'm saying? Hot girl summer. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we got we got because all of this is a factor. Because after two unwanted pregnancies and giving up two kids for adoption, does this woman not think about slowing down a little bit? You know what I'm saying? Maybe you maybe you moving a little fast. You know what I mean? Mm. So that's that's something we talk about too. And I feel like that's something that's very important that like shouldn't be lost in this discussion. Like you know what I'm saying? Like I mean. Like, yeah, it is your body, like, you know what I'm saying? That's true, but but that doesn't mean, like, you should be frivolous with your womb. That doesn't mean you should, like, you know what I'm saying, like, not, like, treasure your access to your body, you, you feel me? Because uh, things can happen that you don't want, like, unwanted pregnancies that then other people have to take uh, responsibility for in the form of adoption or, or other situations. Do you think uh, things like this create more of a loss of human value? Like the, mm. like the value of life. That's a great question. I do. I do think uh, a child's life is like. I wasn't around the seventies, so <laughs> or the sixties. So like, this would just me be just posturing. But like, I know I've heard women say like, "fuck them kids" so many times. I've heard women openly talk about abortion like it's nothing. Like you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like, or like it's something to be proud of. And I'm not so sure that the, like the uh, the society was as open to hearing those things from women, or or most women even felt that way. You know what I'm saying? Because these are, like, you know what I'm saying, like, viable offspring. Like, you're viable children. Like, right. unless, you know, there's a medical well, condition. Life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I, I do think, like, I do think women in particular care less about kids now. Like, you know, we can, we can see that, like, in, in the studies, like, women don't want to be wives. They, um, I don't want to say all women. A larger percentage of women do not think being a wife is advantageous, do not think being a, a mother is advantageous or something that we like to do. You know what I'm saying? Right. So... We can see with the birth rate, the marriage rate, uh, they're both declining. Uh, the birth rate is, uh, without immigration, the birth rate in America would be below replacement. You know what I'm saying? Sure. So I uh, guess we can see in the, in the, uh, and how everything's working out in society, the outcomes that we're seeing, like with 50 million, like abortions, like I'm sure half, I'm sure half of those were like frivolous ones. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and it's probably a bigger percentage, you know what I'm saying? Because Under. being pregnant, getting pregnant through rape, is much more rare than people than uh, than is uh, touted to be. Yeah, it's, fear mongering it, a lot of times exactly gets in, it gets in the media. It's, especially if you have access to a hospital afterwards, or you, if you're able to survive the encounter and get away. During those rape kits, they administer uh, Plan Bs and th things like that to like you know what I'm saying mitigate pregnancies from the, the you know what I'm saying the assaulter. You know what I mean? So though, out of those 50 million abortions, that legal abortions, you know what I'm saying, that's happened since 1973. Who knows how many of those were just because it was an inconvenience? You know what I'm saying? So that's very interesting. Which, what's your opinion about like, like the fact that people are obviously you think that women should be a certain way, or as far as the uh, the frivolousness with with getting abortions? Well, I feel like I feel like a woman should cherish her. I feel like parents should cherish their children. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And you should love your children, and loving your children starts before you have them. Okay. That means by planning your children. Like you know what I'm saying? Like right. planning uh, your children and planning a life out for them. That's how you like. That's how you love them before they're even here. You know what I'm saying? Like being frivolous with your eggs or being frivolous with your sperm, and and those are your potential kids. You know what I'm saying? I think it's just irresponsible. You know what I'm saying? And I think there's going to be a spiritual backlash. Now, what that is, I, I don't know. I'm not, you know what I'm saying, right. all seen and all knowing. For sure. You know what I'm saying? But I, I do think, like, uh, a woman being a hoe, you know what I'm saying, like, 
there's gonna be, you're gonna have a, a harder life. You know what I'm saying? Most of the time, more times than not. You know what I'm saying? A lot of different spirits. Yeah, a lot of different. Of- you got a lot of different DNA in you. You can look this up. It's called telegamy. Every woman, every man that, that comes inside a woman, that DNA stays inside that woman forever. Her uterus acts like a sponge. You know what I'm saying? That's why we talk about uh, like in the Bible and stuff when we talk about two become one. Like you know what I'm saying? It's because like that 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 woman is, is taking on that man's DNA and she will start to uh, take on the uh, like the likeness. You know what I'm saying? And the the mannerisms on that man. So you ever see old couples and like you be like, man, they kind of look alike. You ever see couples in their 80s? And they've been together for a long time and they, they start to look similar. Oh, and, shit. It's because that woman's been taking on his DNA for decades. Damn, and, I know. Damn, that's crazy. <laughs> Think about it. She has a repl- replicated, you know what I'm saying, a no, life inside sense. of her with half of his DNA. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, women women are freaking amazing creatures if they're, you know, creatures of God, if if they're obviously... In the right mind. In the right mind. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They so, can do whatever, but, man, that's why I didn't know that. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, look it up. Don't, don't trust me. You feel me? Look that up. More people should, so... Article goes on. McCorvey had taught to uh, depreciate abortion even before she knew what it was. Her parents, Allen and Mary Cole, uh, Nelson, had pledged themselves to Jehovah who sh- uh, when she was a girl, and McCorvey and her brother had knocked on doors in East Texas with religious literature, uh, ha- hawking thou shalt nots, abortions among them. You know what I'm saying? So she was a Jehovah's Witness when she was younger, you know. You get them annoying knocks at the door, bing, 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 you know what I'm saying? Like, so... Yeah, so McCorvey would soon dismiss Jehovah, deciding at age 14 in the state correctional school where she was sent after running away that God did not exist. She had another realization there in the, in the juvenile correction home. Sex was not profane, for the sex she enjoyed with the run of girlfriends while in state custody was nothing like the sex she had glimpsed at home, most often between a drunk Mary and someone other than Allen. McCorvey vowed to do things differently. So I found this part very interesting. So while she was in juvenile hall, when she was a teenager, uh, she decided God did not exist. And then that's also when she turned to lesbianism, too. So like this, this, this woman was doing a lot of things. So not only did she have three young women in pregnancies before the age of, like, 20, 23, I, I believe, uh, she was also a lesbian while getting pregnant. So I was, so I was obviously bisexual, not really a lesbian, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Bisexual, obviously, if she's getting pregnant back to back to back. I the understand. Jezebel spirit was strong Yeah, yeah the yeah, Jezebel <laughs> spirit was strong with this one. You know what I'm saying? The, the, the harlot gene was, was strong in this one. You know what I mean? So, it, but yeah, but she, I just find it very interesting that while she was in basically a child jail, that's when she made the decision that God didn't exist. That's when she made the decision that you know what I'm saying, sex, uh, all types of different sexes, you know what I'm saying, it's not profane. You know, I'm not saying that all sex is profane, but you know what I'm saying, but, like, there's sexual deviancies out there for sure, that, you know what I'm saying, that you get, you can get hooked on, you know what I'm saying, that, and it can consume your life, you feel I me? Mean, that's how people get addicted to porn, people get addicted to all these different fetishes and things of that nature, because it, it takes over their mind because uh, it releases dopamine, just like heroin or something. Like, if you, you get, because, like, Sex is like the biggest, you know what I'm saying, high a human can get, you know what I'm saying, outside of like synthetic drugs. Right. You feel me? So if you're watching porn and you're getting off all the time on these fetishes, it's relieving dopamine, but like now you need a bigger high. Like just like in, like a heroin, like he needs more heroin. So now you need uh, more deviant, you know what I'm saying, sexual uh, explicit content to look at. You know what I'm saying? Before it wasn't like two girls was enough. Now you need three girls, four girls. Gang bang, all this other stuff. Then you need two girls, one cup. Yeah, and 
Exactly. That that, weird like, shit. like, think about it. Like, how do we get there? Some dude watched two girls in one cup and got sexual gratification out that video. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Sports. And you wonder how did he get there? I'm telling. I just described no, how did he got to that point. You know what I'm saying? How do you how do you watch two girls take a shit in a cup and then eat it and get anything sexually like ple- pleasurable out of that? You know what I'm saying? Because you've been yeah, going down a dark wild. road. You know what I mean? <laughs> Bro, that's you know, like maybe fuck. You know, you just like gag, like just yeah. think about shit like that. Just goes nah. back to them. I remember man, the first like, time seeing that in high school. It's like taking a shot of fucking Jaeger. Man, it's like oh god, it's disgusting. Yeah, but man. yeah. Anyways, I I'm sorry for bringing that up. Yeah, that was a shock. <laughs> shock of sophomore year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but uh, to go on with the uh, with the article, so she had about to do things differently from her mother, who was cheating on her father, right? So after a failed marriage at 16 left her with a child she did not want, an alcohol-fueled affair at 19 begot a second child. And although she spent most of her nights in the numb comforts of lesbian bars, McCorvey found herself at 22 single and pregnant for a third time. This is what I was saying before, you know what I'm saying? Not one, not two, not three. She got three unwanted pregnancies before she's 22, and she had the lesbian bar. So it's like, (laughs) you out here eating box. You out here raw dogging, you know what I mean? Like, and you just not learning no lessons. Yeah. Like you know, like you saying, like <laughs> so this is where I think some personal accountability. She well, she was a perfect candidate for the powers that be. Oh, exactly. And they're gonna go into the how Gloria Stein and all the feminist lawyers uh manipulated this woman, you know what I'm saying? It and because the woman was she was a drug addict too, we don't get into that. They paid her, right? Yeah. They, well they gave her well, she said she agreed to be the planet for free beer and pizza. Mm. But then she did get like perks and other stuff on well, on the pizza way. means like little kids too. I I've been saying you know what I'm saying? Yeah, hey, man, go I don't know. I don't know if they was rocking like that in seventy three with that vernacular. Yeah. But yeah. I know what they was they were still doing it back in seventy three. But but yeah man, so this is this, it's all it's all down here for her, you know what I'm saying? She yeah. made she made God she made sure God don't exist. Turn to lesbianism out here getting raw dog. You know what I'm saying? She doing drugs, and now she on her third unwanted pregnancy. You know what I'm saying? So I do think we have to we have to ask ourselves when does personal accountability and personal responsibility come into effect? Right. And for not just her, but the the, the dudes too. I think it's three different dudes. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, all, all around this, this is a bad look for humanity. You know what I mean? So she did not want the child, and after her adoption lawyer mentioned that she had happened, she happened to know Linda Coffey, a lawyer readying to challenge the Texas laws on abortion, Norma McCorvey became Jane Roe, not, uh, not because she wished to see abortion legalized, because she wished to have one. As she later told the New York Times, I just wanted the privilege of a clean clinic to get the procedure done. Right, so she wasn't a political political person. She was just a woman in a bad situation. You know what I'm saying? Who wanted a way out? Who wanted her problems solved quick and easy? Abortion was not yet the political football would become in this country. The Supreme Court affirmed Roe v. Wade by a seven to two majority. When two years later, presidential uh, president Gerald Ford nominated John Paul Stevens to the Supreme Court. Roe was not mentioned during his confirmation hearings. The Roe ruling, however, soon galvanized those opposed to it. They, per- they turned to politics, campaigning for human life amendments to, uh, to kill Roe at its legal root. When legislation efforts failed, they turned to the ju- judiciary, seeking the appointment of like-minded judges. Opposition to the abortion turned political, then partisan. The National Right to Life Committee declared the GOP the party of life. Politicians confronted 
uh, Richard Nixon and Ronald Reagan uh, uh, conformed. Yeah, excuse me. Politicians conformed. Richard Nixon and Ronald Reagan turned pro-life. Ted Kennedy and Al Gore pro-choice. Religion fell in line, too. Whereas in 1976, the Southern Baptist Convention supported most abortions, it opposed most abortions in 1980. Abortion was fast, uh, fast becoming this country's surest test of political affiliation. And so as it galvanized those who supported it, the pro-choice turned to McCorvey. Right, so it's getting, it's getting heated, you know what I mean? They, uh, they made abortion legal in the 70s, and then, you know, some people weren't with it. Some people were with it. Some people wanted to change it. So it became a, a political hotbed. So then in the 1980s, this is when we're going to see that McCorvey had to change her heart, and she turned back to God, right? Mm -hmm. And then this is when she uh, she became a pro-life uh, uh, advocate. But um, let, me, let me finish this off. So at the time, McCorvey was game. So she was pro-choice at first. So this is before she <laughs> went to pro-life. So she was pro-choice and a, and a partnered lesbian at this time, too. So, And she had the baby. So by this time, she had the third baby, gave it up for adoption, right? Yeah. So the, so the baby... The third the, time's the charm for her. Yeah, I guess so, right? <laughs> so at the time, her and her partner, Connie Gonzalez, were tired of cleaning homes. And as the years passed, McCorvey helped create one, then another Jane Roe Foundation, watched Holly Hunter portray her on TV, wrote her first autobiography, high on cocaine, volume, and pot, she told me, and gave hundreds of speeches. Speeches Talks all the better for the speaking lessons lawyer Gloria Allred arranged for her. An un unwanted pregnancy had become a career. Right, so she, uh, she says she's still on the drugs, she's popping the pills, she's snoring the cocaine, while she's uh, uh while she's being a pro choice advocate, you know what I mean? So let's see where let's see where this see where this leads. But it was Jane Rowe whom the pro choice wished to hear from, not McCorvey. And when in nineteen ninety five she accepted Jesus and disavowed Roe and her homosexuality, McCorvey's uh, life of advocacy became again, just on the other side, with two more foundations another book, and hundreds more speeches about sex and religion, those same two forces that have formed not only Jane Roe, but Norma McCorvey too. It just hit me like a big squish, he said, on her newfound faith. It was incredible. I felt all warm inside. Yeah, I'm sure. So, uh, yeah, so <laughs> so this woman, I don't want to, is she a swindler? We got another article we'll get into right now. She might have been. Did this woman uh, milk her uh, her uh, fifteen minutes of fame, or her, you know, what I'm saying, or her like, or her situation, and try to uh, to inspire other women to to get money out of them? We're gonna find out. But um, all this is very fishy. You know, what I'm saying, she went from pro-choice to pro-life. She might have went back to pro-choice once we look into this other article, and it, and as she'll say, it was all for the dollar. You know, what I'm saying. Yeah, and I think. Personally, anybody who's at that point of just creating or being part of a label, like labeling themselves something that outside of being a, you know, like you said, American national or, you know, claiming your tribal heritage outside of who you are, 
getting into all the like the Black Lives Matter or yeah. you know anything uh, pro-choice, pro-life, Democrat, Republican, all that, all the different labels, man. It's just created for to uh, ki- to continue yeah. a division, right? Yeah, to, yeah, to make people argue. You know what I'm saying? To fuss and fight. You don't want to be a part of political plays. You know what I'm saying? Public displays. You feel me? Like because mm. the people in the streets who are screaming and uh, incoherent things. These are not these are not the people in power. These are not the people that get things done. You know, and uh, there's really a, all of it's just for yeah, it's for distraction. Yeah, it's, just, exactly. it's, just, it's just for to keep you busy. You know, what I'm saying while they run the world. So let me finish this article off. The pro-choice lament McCorvey's defection, but looking back over the long arc of her plaintiffship, is it is clear that McCorvey befit Roe the whole of it as no Gloria Steinem could. Like a nation at large, she pledged a lot allegiance to both its survival and its destruction. Right. So, yeah, so it's very, very, very interesting. I think this woman's very interesting because it's not like, because it could have been something very simple, right? Like, it could have been something where a woman was really uh, raped or was really assaulted, you know what I'm saying, who probably had a a more uh, justifiable argument to why she wanted the abortion or wanted to get that thing done. And that could have been the, the, uh, the situation that led to the Supreme Court, that led to the ruling. But that wasn't the woman, you know what I'm saying? The woman that led this was, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> was Didn't on her third own. She track record. Yeah, on she her was, third. She yeah. was a track star. She got run at track star. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? She was in the streets at these lesbian bars getting, but at, at the lesbian bar getting knocked up. You know what I'm saying? So you notice that there's, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. She hanging out at the lesbian bar with show pregnant. She she wild. She out here wild and. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So I just find that very interesting. She was snorting the cocaine, eating box, you know what I'm saying? And getting paid for all of <laughs> and it. And getting paid for it. Well, we're not done, right? We're not done. We're going to get into it. She's Miss OnlyFans, man. <laughs> we're going to get into it, right? <laughs> OnlyFans before OnlyFans, yeah. right? So uh, I got another article here, right? So it says Jane Roe of Roe v. Wade admits in deathbed confession she was paid to fake anti-abortion stance. Oh, okay, okay. So she milking it, right? So she, so, 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 what happened, right? She uh, claimed to be pro, uh, to be pro life or pro choice in the beginning, right? Uh, so she wanted to get the abortion, right? Then after the fact, she switched to being pro life. You know what I'm saying? Got her life changed, and then on her deathbed, she says that her switch to being pro life was fueled by the uh, by the Christian evangelicals. And the and the and the basically the political right, uh, basically paying her to be pro be pro life. You know what I'm saying? And that the only reason she switched to be pro life was for the money. And that like you know what I'm saying she really did come to God again. I guess you know what I'm saying in her words. We don't get into it, but I just find it very interesting. She was flip flopping for the check. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Flip flopping for the check. You know what I mean? So we got a got a picture of her right here. We don't get into it. Norma McCorry, better known as the plaintiff Jane Roe from the landmark 1973 court ruling legalizing abortion, who then later famously converted and became outspoken outspoken against abortion, has admitted that her about face was a lie. It was all an act that was orchestrated and paid for by the anti-abortion movement. So she gets abortion legal, or she's part of that process. Then she's like, man, I can't make no money off this. But because it's already legal, so nobody like there's nothing to fight for. So if I get to the other side, I could just get more money. So she switches sides 
because now there's money in fighting for it because there's more money in fighting to get something unmade yeah. than made. You know what I'm saying? So fun is very interesting. And then, of course, to continue to be, you know, distracted or be a distraction exactly. for the last 50 years or almost 50 years. Now. Yeah, exactly. So in the FS first documentary, a.k.a. Jane Rowe, which premieres on Friday, May 22nd, McCorvey tells filmmaker uh, Nick Sweeney in a shocking deathbed confession, excuse me, in a shocking deathbed confession filmed before her death in 2017 about her deception. The, the, the documentary digs into the life of one of the most complex and impactful women of the 20th century. In the last 20 minutes of the film, Sweeney asked McCorvey, did the evangelicals use you as a trophy? Of course, she replies, I was the big fish. Do you think you would have? Uh, do you think you would say that you need them or that you use them? I think it was a mutual thing. McCorvey says, "I took their money, and they took me out in front of a camera and told me what to say. That's what I'd say." In a phone interview with Salon, aka Jane Rowe, director expresses shock and surprise at McCorvey's confession in that scene. I'm gonna stop here. Like she says, she go out in front of those cameras. She take the check, go out in front of the cameras. And say what she paid, what she got paid to say. Now you got to ask yourself: in the nineteen seventy three Supreme Court case back in the day, when they was parading her around, you know what I'm saying? As you, you using not parading her around because she was uh, anonymous. I don't want to see being paraded around, but they was using her story. You know what I'm saying? All like this. You know what I'm saying? Maybe she was paid to say what she was what, to say what she said. We don't know. She claimed that she lied about the rape and came up with the story all on her own. But she could have been paid. You know what I'm saying? We don't. Yeah, we could have. She could have been paid from the beginning. We don't know. You know what I'm saying? The way uh, them them feminist lawyers were moving, Gloria Allred, Gloria Steinem, the way they was moving. You know what I mean? I wouldn't be surprised. You know what I'm saying? Out here manipulating the perception. So. Do you think this is just like so? Obviously, there's a there's a meaning to all this. What what do you think the that they used her story to? You know, obviously get to this point for. Well, I think abortion at this at mass level is a form of eugenics. And if we look at the history of abortion, we're going to see uh, the likes of uh, Margaret Sanger and, uh, you know what I'm saying, uh, people like Walter Plecker, people of this nature, uh, the people who are like of the American Eugenicist Society uh, in, the, in the late uh, 1800s, early 1900s. Uh, they, they saw abortion as a viable way to uh, cull certain segments of the population that they didn't, uh, that they saw as unfit or were not, you know, what I'm saying uh, population the, control, correct? Yeah, population control. So like, you no, know, so so-called black people, so-called Mexicans, Latinos, and so-called Native Americans. This, uh, that's why uh, the Planned Parenthoods are put in the hood. You know, what I'm saying mm. that's why uh, of the, all the abortions that have been uh, done, forty percent of them have been done by black women. You know, what I'm saying. Hence why one out of every two black uh, births or black pregnancies end in abortion. It's not that high for any other uh, race of woman. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because that may be comparable to Native American women, but that's a much smaller uh, population uh, size to look at. You feel me? So if we look at the history of, uh, of abortion, it's very likely that uh, all of this was pushed, pushed forward to, and made legal, you know what I'm saying, for population control reasons. You know what I mean? She could have been paid from the start, a higher gun from the start. I don't know. But what I do know about her particular story is that there's holes everywhere. Right. She real fishy, you know what I'm saying? She flip-flopping, and she doing everything for money. You know what I mean? It's not like she was trying to take a political stance or anything like that. All of this was for, for McCorvey was a check. You know what I mean? 
and then not even a check to support the baby she was having. She gave all three of her kids up for adoption. You know what I mean? So I just find it's all very fishy. And uh, and there's some people out there that be like, oh, I don't see nothing wrong with that. Like, that's, right. what's, that's what's even crazier. Mm-hmm. You know, people are going to be out there and people are going to think what they're going to think. But uh, And I'm not even sure that, I, I don't even think the rape in itself had much uh, weight on how they ruled on things. I just think it had a weight in how the uh, public perceived it. You know what I'm saying? And so I think that that that's how they want to because they have to get the uh, the masses uh, approval on things. You know what I mean? At least the perception of the approval. So I feel like yeah, it's it's much easier to sell abortion from a woman that was supposedly gang raped. You know what I'm saying? That it is by quote unquote black men. Yeah, exactly. Than it is to sell abortion by somebody who's just at the at the lesbian bar getting knocked up because that don't make no sense. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So. Uh, you know, I'm going to finish this real quick, man. We're going to get into this because this is crazy. She said, um, honestly, I did not think that the film would go in the direction that it went, Sweeney said. The things that Norma would say to me, really, I just never thought that she would be saying. I did set out to try to understand all the complexities of her life, uh, who, she, uh, who she was and what she believed, but I just thought she would admit these. I just never thought she would admit these things. Whenever we were together, Norma was determined to film all the time and ever, whenever I was not there, she would want to know when I was going to come back to film. She liked being able to share her story and be unvarnished self, her unvarnished self. And I think knowing she was running out of time, it was a motivating factor for her. The film examines how McCorvey became Jane Roe after she failed to receive access to safe and legal abortion in the state of Texas. She was young and homeless with the history of being the victim of physical and sexual abuse. She claimed her pregnancy was a result of being raped and had offered her voice for the legal case for her abortion, which led to the passage of Roe v. Wade, legalizing abortion in all 50 states. A decade later, McCorvey shed the pseudonym of Jane Roe and began working uh, a circuit of protests and media events centered around abortion access and women's health issues. But as Sweeney Film lays out, after McCorvey revealed in an interview in the 1980s that she lied about being raped, during the Roe v. Wade hearings, the pro-choice community turned away f- uh, from using Norma as a vocal public proponent of abortion access. So, yeah, so once the pro-choice people found out that she lied about being raped, even though I'm sure some of them knew already, when, when she, once they found out, they stopped using her as a, as a you know what I'm saying, a spokesperson or, or a, a face of the movement, you know what I'm saying? Because, uh, you know, obviously she lied. Uh, now, was she paid to lie? That's what I. That's what I really want to know. The, this left McCorvey adrift, and ultimately, in the mid '90s, she converted to Roman Catholicism, and with the aid of leaders from the evangelical Christian right, including Operation Rescue leaders, uh, Reverends Flip Benhan and Rob Schneck, <laughs> she renounced her background as an abortion act, access activist, as well as her relationship with her longtime girlfriend Connie Gonzalez. The uh, dramatic shift in purported values is what drew Sweeney to profiling McCorvey in the final years of her life, but he did not expect such a dramatic revelation from his subject. It's very interesting, man. Very interesting. Yeah, I feel like she was the perfect candidate, you know, like a like a woman who, like you said, she was homeless and didn't have much going for her other than, you know, giving in to her uh, inhibitions and wanted to have sex all the time or yeah. whatever she was doing and... Yeah, they, sex, drugs. They, yeah, you know they mean? saw her as a opportunity to like, yo, we can take her story and 
you know, and blow it up exactly, and use it for our own political means. The Mrs. Know? Sloans of the world could get, you know, mm-hmm. you, know you, you ever watched that movie Miss Sloan where she's a, um, what do they call when when they're uh, in in politics where they try to get people to to vote for vote one way or the other? Mm-hmm. Do you know what those people are called? Like it's a campaign, a campaign yeah. manager. Yeah, basically a campaign manager. But I, but essentially, what she was doing was getting all, all this dirt on people and and. Oh okay, like what you're saying, yeah. So very interesting. But they have a they had a, they had a money figure here, right? So as a result of that confession, Sweeney went on to find documents showing at least four hundred and fifty six and nine hundred and eleven thousand dollars in benevolent gifts from anti-abortion movement to McCorvey. As Schneck put it uh, at a few points, he was actually on the payroll, as it were, while Ben Ham uh, staunchly denies that she was paid in any formal capacity. Mm-mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm. So, man, I'll just finish this little article, right? In the closing minutes of the film, McCorby shows her final thoughts on, on abortion. If a woman, a uh, young woman wants to have an abortion, fine. That's no skin off my ass. You know, that's why they call it a choice. It's your choice. So that's uh, Norma McCorvey. That's, that was her official uh, <laughs> her official opinion. There's no skin off her ass. You know what I mean? Even though the 20 years before that, she was advocating that it was a lot of skin off her ass. <laughs> or like not a, off her ass, I guess, which is not She's like a catalyst for, for fucking, for the Jezebel spirit, basically. Hey, ooh, that's, that's it. <laughs> That's a tough. That's, that's tough, man. You gonna go get canceled? You know what I'm saying? You can't. <laughs> you can't criticize women in today's era. You know what I'm saying? No, but seriously, uh, I think it's something to be said uh, that uh, so many women uh, want access to abortion uh, with uh, zero explanation and zero consequences. Uh, I think it is a uh, is a representation of the direction of our uh, of our society. The frivolous sex, the decadence, you know what I'm saying, the uh the overindulgence into our fetishes. I think it's gonna be a downfall to society. Uh the country's already backsliding, we're uh, fall behind other superpowers in the world, you know what I mean? And uh as we decline, other populations on the, are on the incline, you know what I'm saying? You got India, you got China, we got billions of people who are still in poverty or you know, haven't really uh come uh, had a real fair chance at life. Once these uh these playing fields start to level out, the countries with the biggest populations, like they're gonna of course be have a bigger economy. So we really uh, in this country we really gotta uh, get our heads straight. You know what I'm saying? I think uh, sex has been uh has been used as a way to distract us. <clears throat> like I said before, uh, this Supreme Court ruling only applies to U.S. citizens. Like I think all of this is just one big public play. I think it's one big, one big stage play to keep people more invested uh, in the United States corporation, keep people, to keep people more confused about the, the status of the United States corporation and how their relationship with that corporation works. Um, that corporation cannot tell you what to do with your body unless you voluntarily acquiesce to their authority and their jurisdiction. Um, if you really want access, if this access to abortion is really your biggest thing and you're in a state that is uh, going to be uh, against that, then start your own unincorporated religious society and write up your own trust document and, and um, put in your religion and your spiritual setup that that's part of what you believe in. Because in America, we have religious freedom and nobody can uh, infringe on your freedom. 
I may not agree with it from uh, a, a biblical or my religious perspective, but if you have something, you have something different, I can't infringe on that because you have religious freedom. I'm not here to tell people to do. I recognize free will, but I also recognize that, you know what I'm saying, it's not, it's not my place to tell you what to do with your life. We all got to, you know what I'm saying, meet our maker at the end and explain for what we did. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's between you and you and whoever you pray to. You know what I mean? But uh, at the end of the day, I think it's very important to understand uh, how all this is set up, how all of this is being used to uh, to corral the people and and to uh, and to uh, uh, antagonize the sexes to create a, a, even a bigger wedge between men and women, between men, especially men who believe in a, a nuclear family. Men who actually want to uh, be fathers and husbands, you know what I'm saying? I mean, in between women who don't want that until maybe later on in their life after they already had their hot girl summer and already had a couple abortions and made their mistakes, you know what I'm saying? But uh, some men don't want that for their <laughs> for their future wife, and I think a lot of that's what a lot of men are thinking. Like, <clears throat> like if this abortion stuff is that common, like, what are the chances I'm gonna end up with a woman that's already had an abortion, and how does that affect her psychologically? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If a woman is willing to kill a life inside her, she may not care as much about you. She may not care as much about life. I'm not saying that's the case, but that's a question that needs to be asked, right? I think psychologically. You yeah, know? that is. It's not a point I ever thought about, but that's a that's an interesting uh, thought and question to ask. For sure. Yeah, man. Like we get we uh did a nice little overview of Norma McCorvey. Yeah, about about her background, about the background of this case. Probably do another one about why it's been overturned and what are the technicalities about her, about what the the Supreme Court judges' opinions are on on on, on the subject. But uh, I don't think this is a time to get emotional. I think this is a time to look at facts for men and women. Um, so for people who want to know more about this, or if you feel one way or uh, one way about this or another, uh, make sure you guys have uh, write down your questions, send them to KT, to send it to myself so we can you know ask the answer your guys' questions on, on a, more of our episodes as well because I know there's a huge um, there's a huge huge amount of the population that don't look at any facts they just look at the what they see quickly on on um, you know little cliff notes on the on the media who's controlled by people and aren't looking at what, what are real facts so right. and I think if people people have more facts. Um, or at least the direction to go to to look that, um, you know, there's going to be less chaos and less arguing, you know, and, and focusing more on what really matters in, in this world. A hundred percent. man. So very, questions for KT, basically. Yeah, yeah, hit me with some questions, you know what I mean? <laughs> but, yeah, this is all very interesting. I, I see uh, the midterm elections are probably going to be more about this than inflation or what. Or, I was, like, there's so many more things going on in the world, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but... A lot of women are very upset right now, you know, and I, I I can see from the outside looking in why they might be not understanding the nature of the system. But if you understand the nature of the system, you understand, like, this doesn't apply to you. You know what I mean? And that this is only there for them to police their, their property. Because, like, how can they tell you what to do with your, your body unless you're somebody's property? Identifying as a U.S. citizen is basically identifying as property of a United States corporation, and the United States corporation will tell their property what to do with their body because they claim to own it. You know what I mean? Or the or the labor that is produced from it. So, got people happy as hell to be slaves, man. Yeah, 
Exactly. Fighting for the fighting of the slave master for the rules of the slave ship uh, instead of fighting to be free. He's fighting for better rules on the plantation instead of fighting for your your own land, your own status, your own setup. Like you know what I mean? So I feel like that's that's what I take away from all of this. Not that like, oh, should this be uh, should the government be in on this or not? Like the Constitution is clear. The government cannot police your body. Like you know what I mean? But uh, but if you start if you voluntarily come into the jurisdiction of a foreign empire, of a foreign occupying force, and they tell you what to do, that ain't got nothing to do with the Constitution. That's what we're seeing here. So, with that being said, you got any final words, DJ? Well, I was gonna say that was well said, um, and I kind of gave my my final thoughts on everything. So, um, yeah, man, stay diligent, stay disciplined, and what you gotta do. Um, that goes for men and women. Um, I feel like if you're if you're moving in your truth and you're staying disciplined, then none of this stuff really matters to you. So, um, keep doing that, and uh, yeah, that's my message for people. For sure, so, for sure. And yeah, I just like to say, don't be distracted by the bullshit, you know what I'm saying, by the, all the extras. Keep getting that water up, keep getting that food up, keep getting the bullets up, keep getting that land up. And with that being said, we do want to thank you again for joining us here at Elevated and Melanated. And always remember, elevation provides clarity. Peace. Peace.